0: We are nature, aren't we? Close your mind, your eyes for a minute, and imagine in your mind's eye a place in the natural world that is special to you. A place in nature that restores you, calms you, brings you some peace. It could be your backyard, the small park behind this church, a place in the woods, by the lake, by the river, by the sea. Maybe it's a place far away that you rarely see or someplace you go to often. It doesn't have to be more than a small patch of this good earth that provides us with much needed calmness and beauty. Imagine yourself there and observe. Allow yourself to ask a question that starts with the words, I wonder. I wonder. I wonder why the bird seems to return to the same branch in the morning to sing. The same bird. I wonder how the ducks swim so smoothly. I wonder how the tree remains so strong during that powerful storm. I wonder why this rock I'm sitting on has this perfect indentation for a seat. I wonder. Not today. Now today, I wonder what it would be like if we had this service outside. Would it be too hot, too buggy, too bumpy, too humid, too cold, too rainy, too this or that? I wonder if I and we have become too civilized to handle being outside like I used to when I was a kid. And I didn't worry about the bad things that would happen if I didn't put on bug spray or sunblock or if it might rain and again and again as it has this summer. I wonder what it would be like if we gathered consistently by the waters of Canoza Lake. It's one of my fantasies. Starhawk. Uh, a, um, A very accomplished writer and an important leader in the permaculture movement suggests to us in her book, The Earth Path, Grounding Your Spirit in the Rhythms of Nature, that we should all have a home base somewhere in nature that we can return to many times to observe. She recommends nine ways in her book of observing, the first of which is to ask that question, beginning with the words, I wonder. She encourages us to learn to read the landscape, and first by wondering. I like to think of myself as a nature lover, as I have been, always been drawn to the natural world, particularly to plants, and I love being outside. Some of you who have known me for, for a while may have noticed that I often read books about the natural world, particularly during the summer. So unlike others who might grab the light beach read, I am diving deeply into, book, into a book about seas or birds or trees or water. I might also be reading a book about the real, our relationship with nature, like Starhawk's book or John O'Donohue's book, wonderful book, The Four Elements. My bookshelves are weighted with an accumulation of books on nature along with my favorite collections of poetry. Any trip to a bookstore would not be complete without a visitation to the section of books on nature. One book that I've returned to many times since it was first uh, published in 2013 is Braiding Sweetgrass, Indigenous Wisdom, Scientific Knowledge and The Teachings of Plants by Robin Wall Kimmerer. And that's the book that, uh, where that Thanksgiving Address uh, came from, that version of the Thanksgiving Address uh, that we read together this morning. So if, if you were at my service last summer, if you were here, you were melting because I think it was 95. So I'm grateful it's not this time. Um, You might recall that a group of four of us were up front here reading those 19 sections of the Thanksgiving Address as part of a surface that focused on some of the more powerful lessons from Braiding Sweetgrass. I returned to this same reading today because I think we all need to listen again to the significance of this reading on our hearts, minds, spirits, imaginations. Pause for a minute and think back to your experience of reading it. We started with, today we have gathered and we, when we look upon the faces around us we see that the cycle of life continue. We have been given the duty to live in balance and harmony with each other and all living things. So now let us bring our minds together as one as we give greetings and thanks to each other as people. Now our minds are one." And of course then we greeted many many things. And as you read that and as you listened to Bonnie and I How did you feel? What images came to your mind? And now imagine this. Kimmerer, in her book, describes a school in upstate New York, a tribal school, where every morning there's one child assigned to recite that entire address to the school. Imagine hearing that every morning. Imagine learning that and knowing it well enough to recite it. Imagine that. And what would that do for us? How would it change your view of the world to recite that every day to your school or your workplace or to your family? What are the weight of the words? What is the sum of the message and the experience? While this is not our ritual to use on a regular basis, as it belongs to the people known as the Haudenosaunee from upstate New York and Canada, I feel that Kimmerer, in her chapter titled Allegiance to Gratitude, gives us permission to listen to the message, to ponder the significance of expressing thanks for all the facets of the world that we rely upon on a daily basis? How does it challenge us to think differently about our beloved Earth and her inhabitants? How does it challenge us to think about how we are really all interconnected and indebted to each other to the fish, to the birds, the mammals, to humans, to trees, to plants, and water, and the stars, and the moon, and the sun. How does it inform our actions to hear that? What spiritual practices can we change to embody respect and gratitude for this world that gives so much to us every day? I hear in that message the challenge for us to find a way to embody that experience every day. One of the effects this reading has on me, and this is that sense of oneness with all living beings and with those that really matter, it brings me closer to a sense that I've always longed for to be in the midst of the spirits that animate and inspire Together, we invoked a world that is inhabited by all that brings life and breath and hope. It invites us to speak out loud those things that we may have thought, but we would not say because it might feel foolish that our Western minds are trained to think that we would be losing our objectivity, our superiority, our distance from nature. Now, usually when choosing a reading for a service, I would avoid a four-page reading <laughs> uh, for fear of losing your interest, your focus. But I like the length of it because it, it forces us to lean into a space of listening and to feel the weight of gratitude that comes with name and acknowledging all the things that we depend upon every day to live. I would never have thought to be grateful, for instance, for the fish, because I'm not particularly drawn to fish as creatures, but we need all living beings, and I am reminded that all creatures play their part in the complex ecosystems of land and sea. Another aspect of this reading is a sense that we as readers and listeners are truly in relationship with nature. Nature is here, and here, not just out there. Nature is not an it, but rather a grandparent, a parent, a sister, a brother, a child. We are not floating above or below, or outside of nature. We are in the midst of family. While I think of myself as nature girl, and I am fascinated by many things in the natural world, sometimes I find myself living in my safe bubble, looking out at the natural landscape. And while working on this homily, I was sitting in my car at the lake, with my passenger side of the car mounded with books. With my pen and pencil in hand, I viewed the outdoor scene through a rain-spattered windshield. I had shut the door to keep nature out. That damp rain, the unwanted creatures like bugs or mice, the geese meandering on the lawn with their young goslings in tow. Ideally, it would have been better for me to sitting, be sitting on my own rock with my rain jacket, maybe an umbrella, my boots, my books in my backpack, and a pencil and pad in my lap, with my body being reminded of this good earth when I got increasingly tired of sitting on the hardness of my stone seat. But I didn't, I was in my car. This view of nature as out there, away from us, below us, has not served us well. As Starhawk states, to become literate in nature's idiom, we must challenge our ordinary perceptions and change our consciousness. We must, to some extent, withdraw from many of the underlying assumptions and preoccupations of our culture. Kimmerer also challenges us to think about what she calls the grammar of animacy. She states, The arrogance of English is that the only way to animate, to be worthy of respect and moral concern, is to be human. Everything else is an it. She then asks, Wouldn't things be different if nothing was an it? The English language and even the language of science, of which Kimmerer is so familiar as the biologist that she is, lacks the words to describe the world in a way to help us believe we are in nature and in relationship with all living things. And we are taught that to anthropomorphize the natural world is to be childlike or naïve, aren't we? We are taught that the world is an it, as well as the animals and the plants. Did you see the tall tree out there? It's beautiful. What we say and how we define the world makes, us, makes a profound difference in how we behave. Think about it. And what even if my stone seat has animacy? This brings me to the poem uh, that Bonnie read uh, by Nancy Wood, My Help is in the Mountain. My help is in the mountain where I take myself to heal the earthly wounds that people give to me. I find a rock with sun on it and a stream where the run- water runs gentle and the trees, which one by one, give me company. So must I stay for a long time. Until I have grown from the rock and the stream is running through me and I cannot tell, uh, tell myself from one tall tree. Then I know that nothing touches me nor makes me run away. My help is in the mountain. That I take away with me. So I wonder, what do you take away with you? In these troubled times, when we know that our beloved Earth is in trouble, and the weather extremes we have experienced even this summer, remind us profoundly that we need to change. How do we need to change? I wonder. What do we need to do? I wonder. How do we change our relationship with Mother Earth and all her living creatures? We need to figure this out like our lives depend on it because they do. So, my fellow living creatures, those of us, all of us in the natural world, live with gratitude, look for hope, find something that you can to make do to make this world better. Invite us to join in, and then let's do it. So be it.